0: Uh, hey, so uh, this morning we're, uh, we're continuing, actually wrapping up our series uh, on, on um, just our rootedness in our faith, on rebooting our faith, seeing God work in us. This is both for those who are, are newer to faith or exploring faith, but also for those who are, oh, and kids, I'm sorry, kids, why don't you leave? Uh, kids, youth, go to your classes. Go all right, we're going excellent. Um, so uh, final topic in this series is a fun one for me. We'll, we'll start with a little John Ortberg story because I always enjoy John Ortberg. So uh, he tells a story about one time he and his wife take a hot air balloon sightseeing tour. Go up in the hot air balloon. I've never done this. I don't know if you guys have. I don't have a thing with heights, but a hot air balloon might it might be a thing. There's something about that that feels a little vulnerable, but uh, whether you share that or not, they're in this hot air balloon, they're looking around, they're seeing all the things, and all of a sudden it starts to sink a little faster than a hot air balloon is, is supposed to sink. And so there's, there's two other couples in the basket of this balloon, and they've already gotten acquainted, and they know at this point that John Ortberg is a pastor. And so as they're starting to sink, one of them turns to Orberg and says to him, hey, you're a pastor, do something religious. <laughs> and so he says, sure, I took an offering. <laughs> but today we're, we're talking about giving, right? In the context of these practices that are core to what it means to being a follower of Jesus, uh, we're talking about uh, the practice of giving. And uh, I want to start off just by saying this topic is so awkward for everybody. It, it really is, uh, in pastors included. And uh, pastors generally hate talking about the topic of giving, and avoid it like crazy, even though like the church treasurer will be like, do it, do it, come on, you got to talk about this. Um, I, in keeping with my nerdiness, I guess, I, I'm the only pastor I know who absolutely loves teaching on giving. Uh, I do. I, I love it. And here's the reason why. Uh, if, if you've been around very long, you know the thing that I am most passionate about in our, our life together as a church, is our formation into people who look more like Jesus. Right? This is at the heart of what it means to be and to make disciples. It is about God's transforming work in us, of shedding those places in us that don't look like Christ and developing in us the character of Christ, that we might become people who think and act and have the attitudes and feelings and go through life living our lives the way that Jesus would live them if he was the one living our lives. And here's the thing. Our relationship with our money is really central to this. Uh, Did you know? Did you know that Jesus talked about money in the four gospels? Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about prayer. If you take just the gospel of Luke, almost one in seven verses in the gospel of Luke has to do with money. Right? Jesus, apparently felt that this is something that is really important for us. If we we're to walk well with God, if we are going to follow Jesus well, we have to work out our relationship with our money. Uh, and uh, I mean, in a nutshell of what Jesus teaches here, uh, money can either be a tool for our spiritual formation, right A means that God uses in our lives to grow us and to bless others, or it can be a person's ruin. Uh, more than almost anything in life, money has the capacity to become an idol for us and lead to, lead to ruin as it comes to stand between us and God. And, and I can tell you from my life as a pastor, just in my experience, I've seen both sides of this. I've seen people of both modest means and, and of tremendous wealth shaped in profoundly unselfish ways as they develop a spiritual practice of giving. I've seen folks become more tender. I've seen them become more compassionate towards others. I've seen them become less dependent on their stuff. I've seen them become more joyful in various circumstances that aren't dependent on the ebbs and flows of everyday life. Uh, I've seen folks become all around unselfish people because they excel in this practice of giving. And I've seen the opposite too. I've seen people as they mature and as they start to accumulate more money and do better in their career, I've seen them ruined. I've seen folks who slowly but very surely have had their money become, come between them and God. And keeping and building their lifestyle becomes the thing that causes them to slowly slip away from God. So I've, I've seen this too. And it's... Uh, uh, it's, it's a big deal in the scriptures, and it's a big deal to me. So this morning, uh, I invite you to open with me, or you can just read on the screen. We're going to be bouncing around 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. Uh, it's a long passage. We're not going to do it all this morning, but I encourage you maybe go and look at it this week. It's the Apostle Paul's most comprehensive uh, section in dealing with this particular topic. And uh, we're just going to look at three areas within this. We're going to look at our attitude uh, towards giving, our attitude towards money and what we're called to in that. Uh, We're going to talk about the amount, right? If we're talking about giving, how much is that supposed to be? And then talk about the results, what we might expect to happen in us and through us as we follow Jesus in this particular practice. So let's pray together and we'll look at the scriptures. Uh, Father God, we confess uh, that, that this is one of those topics where we're, we're just stepping on toes, and it's, it is uncomfortable, it's awkward for most of us, maybe all of us. But God, we pray that you would be doing a work in us, that you would open our hearts to receive what your Spirit would say to us through your Word. Uh, God, help us to know what this looks like in our life of following you, and Lord, help us to be courageous and faithful to follow you in it. Uh, So God, speak to us this morning. We trust you for this. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. So first, our attitude. The question, where is my heart in this matter of giving and this matter of how I relate to my money? And uh, as we read this, I, I want you to pay attention to the word grace. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. All right, so grace. Did you hear it as we were going there? Uh, Three times Paul refers to this act of giving as a grace, as a gift. Uh, As a gift, not that we're giving to God, but he refers to this as a gift that God is giving to us. That the opportunity to give, the opportunity to participate in God's work in this particular way is actually a gift that God gives to us. And he holds up for the Corinthians the example of some of their neighbors, the Macedonian churches, is living this out really well. He says, they got this. They understood the privilege that it was for them to participate in God's work in this way. He says, they actually, you know, they came to Paul and pleaded with him for the privilege of participating financially in God's work. Which is so opposite of how we normally picture this and maybe have experienced this, Right? where uh, usually it's, it's the one asking for money doing the pleading, right? And you sprinkle in like a Sarah McLaughlin song and like either animals or small children shivering as you make the appeal for money, right? And Paul's painting kind of an opposite picture. He's like, no, no, no. It's the ones doing the giving playing the Sarah McLaughlin. They're the ones who are like, this, this is a gift. And, and here they are asking for the privilege of participating in what God is doing. Uh, this heart attitude, and we'll we'll see how this tracks as we we keep going through this text, you're gonna see it come up again and again. But this heart attitude that says it's actually God's gift to me. It's a grace for me to be able to give to others and have God use me in this way. And why is this? All right? I, I think when Paul describes these Macedonian churches, I think what Paul is doing is he's talking about people who are experiencing the reality of Jesus' words that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That there is something that happens in us, that we are made in the image of a God who is infinitely generous and is always, always giving himself to us. Right? We, we see that most clearly in the incarnation, we see it in Jesus coming and taking on a human life and letting that life lead him to the cross on our behalf. This is a God who never stops giving. And you and I, we are leaning into the image of our maker when we excel, as as he says it here, when we excel in this grace of giving. I remember uh, early in our church's life, uh, this, this one young couple in particular, they had, they had just started the practice of giving. And, and by the practice, I mean, it wasn't like a haphazard thing anymore where, you know, Sunday morning comes and it's like, oh, do I have any cash in my wallet? But I'm, I mean, they had, they had really prayed and said, okay, what is my giving supposed to look like? And they made it part of their budget and it became part of just their, their ongoing habit of how they worship God, right? And I remember they were, they were about six months into this practice, and they grabbed me one day and, and they're like, hey, uh, this is so good. What is happening in us is so good. I can't imagine ever going back to the way that we lived before. Right? And, and I mean, this is a young couple. They didn't have a lot of money. You know, they're trying to save for a down payment on a house, and you know, we're in the South Bay, good grief. You know, it, it, it was a thing. It's not that they were made of money. But there was something about practicing giving that was changing them. And they are like, this this is good stuff. I couldn't stop this at this point if I wanted to. Uh, I'm not exaggerating, friends. When I say that the happiest people that I know are the most generous. Uh, It creates space in us. Our giving creates space in us for God to do something that we really need. Especially in our culture. Right? When we are generous in our giving, it frees us from our materialism. It frees us from our need to amuse ourselves with various trinkets all the time, to medicate ourselves with shopping, to always have the newest, to always have the best, and to, to be free from that nine feeling that I'm missing out if I don't have those things. It frees people from anxiety over money, which I know is so counterintuitive because by definition, if you are giving, it means you have less of it. Wouldn't I be more anxious as a result? But it's actually exactly the opposite because we start to develop eyes to see how God provides for us outside of us desperately trying to just provide for ourselves. Here's another little picture of this, this attitude of grace that comes in giving uh, from King David and the, the context here. So they're preparing to build the temple, right? Preparing to build this place where God will be wor- worshipped. And they've purchased all the stuff, all the timber and all the gold and all these things. And they've purchased all the best, spent no, or saved no expense. And there's this moment in the story where David steps back and he's just looking at all this. Building hasn't started yet. Construction hasn't begun. And he's just looking at all the stuff that they've accumulated. And it kind of takes his breath away. And listen to what he says here. He says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. What a grace, he's saying. What a privilege that we can do this. Uh, Giving truly is a grace. It is a gift that God gives to us. Uh, Now, how do we cultivate this sort of attitude in our giving? Uh, Part of it is prayer. Uh, we, We have to ask God to be working this in us if we're going to pull it off. Part of it too, though, Part of it, it is giving. Part of how we experience giving in this way is by doing. We do and we begin to discover the reality of Jesus' words for ourselves too. That somehow it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Uh, so that's, that's one. That's the hard attitude. The second aspect of giving that Paul addresses in these chapters is the amount. Right. This is the big question. How much do I give? And this, I find, is where a lot of folks who really earnestly want to follow Jesus kind of get hung up, right? How much am I supposed to give? Even if, you know, assuming I want to, how much are we talking? This is the brass tax, and the thing that chases a lot of us off from the practice of giving. Here's Paul's answer, and it might be a little different than what you would expect. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 8. We're down now in verse 10. He says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Hear this. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Right, so his, his answer on how much should I give is give according to your means. He says give according to what you have. Don't worry about what you don't. Don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. Uh, it's not based, the acceptable nature of the gift is not based on the size of the gift. It's not based on the amount, but on the heart you bring and, and on you giving in a way that somehow matches with what it is that you have. So in other words, or, or maybe one implication we could say of this, is that the person who has a ton of money has no advantage over the person with little money. Both those people have equal opportunity to, to give in a way that is utterly pleasing to God, because it's in proportion to what it is that we have. Uh, also, another implication, if, if you find that you are one of those people where you have been blessed with more, God has given you the capacity and the opportunity to make more money in life, then generosity might look different for you than it looks for your neighbor. But that, in fact, may be part of how God has gifted you. right? I think if we are to take the scripture seriously, we'd have to say there's an element of calling in that. This is a key to understanding your ministry in the world. If you've been given more and being more generous than those who have less capacity to be generous is part of how God intends to use you in the world. Now, he, he builds on this. He says more a few verses later. Uh, if you go into chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, just let that sink in a little bit. Again, the, the question here we're asking, and the, the Corinthians were asking, was, well, what does this look like? If I'm going to excel in the grace of giving, how much does God want? And his answer is, well, look at what you have. It's according to your means. And then decide in your heart what it is that you are to give. Why is this significant? Well, part of the backdrop to this is, uh, is the teaching on giving that occurs in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, uh, for faithful Jews living under God's law, uh, the amount that they gave was set. You could always give more. In fact, it was even encouraged that you could give more if you wanted. But there was, there was a minimum that, that you were required to give. Do you, you know what that amount is? Anybody? It's 10%. Yeah. So the the tithe is what it's called. Tithe literally means 10%. So this is really interesting. That when we get to the New Testament, and we've entered into a new covenant where we're not living under the law in the same way, but we're living under spirit, we're living under grace. When it comes to this question of amount, Paul says, determine in your heart what you are going to give. The amount isn't mandated. The command just becomes, be generous. Or as, as we read in, in the previous chapter, he says, excel in this grace of giving. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious how this hits you. Because uh, I find for some, for many, it brings great relief, right? It's like, okay, you know, deep deep breath, sigh of relief, this is good. I determine in my heart, what to give. Uh, for me, as a young Christian in my 20s, it was really frustrating. I, I really wanted a concrete number, right? Okay, God, you are calling me to excel in the grace of giving. You're calling me to be generous. Define generosity for me, would you? Because I, I want to do this well. And it, it actually really bugged me you know, that, uh, that I had a role in this. I just wanted to be, you know, give me a percentage, God, and that'll be it. Uh, I got a really helpful word now from, uh, from my pastor back then. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of the most helpful words I've ever gotten on this, this whole topic. And he, uh, he put it something like this. He said, well, if under the law, what was required of you is 10%, under grace, do you think generosity is going to look like more or less than that for you? And that was really helpful for me. Uh, just being able to look at that and say, okay, I don't want to be the kind of follower of Jesus uh, where I'm, I'm doing less under grace than I would under law. And that became a really defining point for me. And in, in my own life and giving, 10% became kind of a starting point. And we've we've tried to go beyond that as, uh, as time has gone on. And, I hear this, I want to be really clear about this. If you give less than 10%, you are not sinning. That is not what is required of us. And I, I don't want you to misunderstand my words here. But if you are wrestling through the question of what does generosity mean, it, it might be helpful to look at this with the Old Testament in the backdrop as well. Uh, in practice, what this is, has looked like for, uh, for me and for Samantha is, you know, as we got married, um it, it means that 10 percent has always been our minimum. we've always built our budget around that. There's never been a time in our adult life when we 've given less than ten percent. That's always been sort of the thing, right and this, this kind of gelled well with with my grandpa's counsel to me as a kid as well. You give 10 percent, you save 10 percent, you live on eighty. If, you're, if you can't live on eighty, you 're living too rich, right That is. That is some wise advice that has served us well in so many ways through life. But uh, 10% has always been our starting place. And then we've, we've prayed, you know, God, help us to be able to give more. And, and we have actually giving goals in our life. And, um, and for most of our marriage, we have been able to give more, whether it's, you know, 11% or 12 or 13%. or it has been years when we've been able to give 15%. And that's, that's been... It's been amazing. Uh, there's been years, too, where it's gone the other direction, right? Where there's been crazy expenses, Or the year that, you know, 20-some years ago when we bought a house, you know, it was back to 10. Uh, but it's, it's never been less than that. And we've been hugely blessed in that. And I'll talk a little bit about, uh, about the blessing. Uh, but, but think about this. And this shows up elsewhere in the text, too. We're not going to read it. But to do this... Uh, it requires planning on our part. It requires a different way of thinking. It, it requires us uh, to, to not figure out what I want and then to give from what's left over, but to start with what do I prayerfully, as Paul says here, what do I decide in my heart I'm going to give? And then we live from what's left after that. So it's, it's definitely a shift. Uh, J.C. Penney. Uh, not the store, but the dude who started the store, Uh, he was was a great example of this, uh, where at the time that he started his first store, he was giving 10% of his income. Uh, By the end of his life, he was giving 90% of his income. His giving went up proportionally to to, uh, his earnings as his life went on. Uh, The bottom line for us, friends, when it comes to amount... Is this something for us to work out with the Lord? To decide on an amount and then to give it with joy. That's two. Uh, Finally, let's let's talk about results. What should we anticipate will happen when we give in us and through us? Uh, Back to chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there's the attitude piece again, and then here's the result. He says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, a lot going on here, kind of one, one piece at a time, right? So, so Paul, he reiterates, God is not looking for a specific amount. He wants you to be generous, and he says, as you do that, you are going to be blessed, right? You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You sow generously, you reap generously. A little farmer analogy for us there. But reap how? What does this benefit look like? Is it us growing spiritually, us maturing as people, or is it material blessing? Uh, And actually, here and elsewhere, uh, Paul says it's actually both. And he talks here about our righteousness, right? If we're talking about character, he talks about our righteousness increasing. He talks about our capacity to do good works, about that increasing, uh, and also... He says that God is going to increase your store of seed. He says you'll be enriched so that you can be generous on every occasion. So clearly the material aspect of this is in view as well. And um, and I know this. the topic gets a little squirrely at this point sometimes. There's, there's some bad teaching out there that treats God like an investment portfolio. You know, you give this much and God's going to give you back this much. And, that's, that's not good, and that isn't what Paul is saying here either. Uh, but also, what the Bible teaches, and quite shamelessly, that we can't outgive God. That as we are generous with God, that he is generous to us, to, to us as well. This is um, it's what my mom, growing up, always called the tither's blessing. Right? That somehow, even as, as we give, and we do so in ways that are generous that God keeps giving back to us also. Uh, here's an example of how, how this has worked out in my life. Um, but going back to the beginning, uh, when, when I was first walking with Christ in college and then right after college, I was, I was in my first year in seminary. And the church that I had been at during college, they had, had offered me a job. And they were going to bring me on as pastor junior, junior, junior in this church. And I was going to work with college students while I went through seminary. And uh, at the last possible minute, uh, the funding fell through. The budget came apart. And, uh, and my pastor had to come to me and say, I'm so sorry. But we don't have a job for you after all. Uh, so, the long story short, I still felt really called to do the work that I had signed on for there. So, um, so I said, how about this? How about I come on and I, I work without pay and hopefully next year's budget will work out a little better? And um, he said, okay, I'll, I'll pray with you that God will provide the money. I'd already quit my other job. Um, I was, was uh, on a little bit of an island. So uh, here I am, I'm, I'm in seminary full time. I don't have a lot of time to give to work, uh, but I'm just kind of picking up what I can. I spent most weeks on my off days, I was digging ditches. And, uh, and then because that wasn't quite enough money for me to make rent, I was, I was giving plasma right, to those blood donation centers. Sitting there like twice a week with a needle in my arm. I never want to see needles in my arm again after that season of life. It was, it was so rough. A couple times I gave plasma and dug ditches on the same day. Huge, huge mistake. Passed out once on the job. Wasn't a good idea. You, you learn as you go, right? But that year ended up being one of, one of the most important experiences of my life in terms of my faith and beginning to develop trust in God. Uh, there were more times than I can count. Uh, I, would, I would come home from, uh, from my studies at the end of the day and somebody would meet me at my house. Somebody Sometimes I knew well, sometimes I barely knew at all. Would roll up and say, hey, I, I was at the grocery store and just really... Really felt like I was supposed to get you a couple things. Boom. You know, drops like three bags of groceries on my porch. Uh, At least three times during that year. uh, And at crucial times. I I had people walk up to me, one of which I had never met before in my life, and hand me a wad of cash and say, uh, God told me I'm supposed to give you this. Uh, I remember one morning, uh, it was... It was a Saturday morning and I had gone for a run and I was was back home and I was sitting on my porch and I was praying about, God, how am I going to pay the bills this month? And this woman walks up to me and says, hey, uh, I saw you sitting here. Um, We're moving today and our mover's just canceled. Uh, We just need somebody to come over for a couple hours and, and help move the heavy stuff. I'll give you $100 and we'll throw in pizza as well. You know, and I was like, dang, I would have done it just for the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but things like this kept happening over and over through that year. Every month I was in need. I didn't, one time uh, during that year, I, I didn't have enough to meet my expenses even one month during that year period. And, and things just kept happening. Uh, one of them that uh, has, has stuck with me over time, I remember, um, I remember I got in the mail a ticket for like a, it was like a parking ticket or something that I, I didn't know I had. Um, but, you know, it was a bill from the city, and it was a bill for $50. And it, at that time, $50 might as well have been a 1000 bucks, right? And I remember sitting in my bed looking at this bill and, and just laughing. You know, not like good, healthy laughter, like kind of maniacal, I think I'm starting to lose it laughter, looking at this and going, I don't know what to do with this. This is too much. And, and praying and saying, God, you're going to have to find a way to figure this out, because I can't do any more than I'm doing right now. And uh, uh, that night was Bible study, and so I went to our college group and was about to, to do the whole Bible study thing, and this, this one student in the group comes up to me. His name was Barry. He's like, hey, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm doing good. And then I was like, ah, actually, no, I'm, I'm doing lousy. And I told him about about this thing, about getting this bill. He said, how much is the bill for? And I told him it was for $50. And, uh, and his jaw dropped open. And he, he said, I've never heard God speak to me before. But he said, this morning, this morning in my prayer time, I felt like God was telling me to give you this. And he, he opens his wallet and he takes out a check already made out to me for $50. There is something that God does in us. We choose to give. There are dependencies on money and on our material stuff that God wants to break in our lives. How does that happen? And so the chief way it happens is through our giving. This is how God does this work in our lives. Do you see how essential this is to living a life of trust in Jesus? Because as long as we are able to trust in other things, our trust in him is always going to be anemic. It's always going to be half-baked. And, you know, those, those stories, uh, those have never ended. Uh, I'm, those are fun, juicy ones from kind of Kind of, maybe that's my origin story when it comes to giving. But I, I could tell you stories from the last two years just as easily. right? It's, it's the same thing, only the bills get bigger. Right? We had to replace a roof, and God came through in a crazy way on that when that happened. Right? I'm about to send my firstborn to college. College is insane these days, everybody. And God is showing up in that in some amazing, amazing ways. Listen, you can't outgive God. There's something that happens in us as we trust God enough to be faithful in this matter of giving. Uh, and in addition, where Paul ends, it, ends that particular verse in saying, "Through us, your generosity result in thanksgiving to God," and that's part of the result too. We see what God does and we praise Him, like we're all doing right now as we talk about these stories of how God has come through. Uh, Friends, this is is what I would want you to do in response as we think about this text and what it looks like in our life. And it's, it's pretty simple. But I want you to do this. I want you to pray. I want you to really seek God about what does this look like in my life? Where do I start? What is the next step that I take? I want you to pray and really earnestly ask that. Second, I I want you to make a plan. (laughs) I want you to plan and say, okay, if if I'm going to trust God in this, what does it look like for me to move from maybe being a haphazard giver to being one who's actually determining in their heart what they should give and then doing that? Or what does it look like for me to move from the place where I'm at now into a place of greater generosity? What does that look like? But pray. Pray. And make a plan. And finally, have faith that God will show up in the midst of that. Uh, uh, I'll conclude with this. Um, We'll call this the parable of McDonald's. Uh, Some of you have heard this before. But uh, the parable of McDonald's. It goes like this. So a father and his young son, they go to McDonald's. And the father takes out his wallet at the cash register, and he, he buys his son a large thing of French fries. And they go back to the table, and the son is eating the fries, and the father is watching the son eat the fries. And, you know, McDonald's, they don't do all things well, but the French fries, they're kind of a thing. And the father, he's looking at these, and they're all oily and glistening, and you can see the salt, and there's the smell. And he says, son, can I have some of your fries? And the son puts his arms around the fries and says, No, they're mine. (laughs) Same father, same son, different day. They go to McDonald's. They go to the register. The father takes out his wallet. He takes his money. He buys the son a thing of large fries. They go back to the table. The son is eating the fries, and the father is smelling those fries. And he's looking at those fries, and they're beautiful, and they're shiny. And he says, Son, can I have some of your fries. And the son says, yes, you can. And he counts them. (laughs) And he carefully apportions 10% of his fries and says to his dad, here you are. Same father, same son, different day. They go to McDonald's. The father goes to the register. He takes out his wallet. He takes out his money. He buys the French fries for the son. They go to the table. They smell delicious. The father says to the son... Son, can I have some of your fries? And the son looks at his fries and he says, Everything I have was given to, you, to, you, given to me by you in the first place. Let's eat these together. And they share the French fries. Let's pray together.